Hello everybody, it is Michael, back with another episode of the Under Pressure Podcast. I really appreciate you guys' support a ton. Everything's just been doing excellent. The Clips channel is doing better than ever. We're getting a ton of downloads. It's really been a career month for me, and it just motivates me to keep grinding, keep working hard, and keep going up, keep building this fan base that we have. Uh, I'm super proud of the content we're putting out, and I just want to uh, continue to make it even better. And yeah, let's get into another great episode. First thing I want to talk about is my top 10 small forwards in the league. Starting off with some honorable mentions, my first honorable mention being Andrew Wiggins of the Golden State Warriors. Uh, He definitely had a weird season last year, and at the beginning of the season, we were all raving about Andrew Wiggins. We were all so excited that he finally was at least somewhat living up to the high expectations that we had. He was averaging over 25 points per game uh, on pretty good efficiency, but then... He fell back into the old Andrew Wiggins. If you look at the stats from this year, uh, they're pretty similar uh, to his career stats. They're slightly better, but still uh, nothing really special. Averaged about 22 points per game, which is obviously nice. Five rebounds, 3.7 assists. But his efficiency is something that has really never been that good. And he really didn't take much of a step on that this year as... He shot 44.7% from the field, shot the exact same percent from three, 33.2%, and then 70.9% for the line, which is something that has definitely fallen off for him at, at the beginning of his career. For the first couple of years, he was actually a pretty decent free throw shooter. Nothing special, but about 76%. And these past couple of years, he's been around 70%, which is pretty ugly. Uh, and yeah, it was just a super disappointing season for Andrew Wiggins, especially we had all kind of given up on him and then it was like a resurgence. It was like, oh, finally, Andrew Wiggins is doing what we all knew he could do for his entire career, but he, what he just simply wasn't doing and then fell back to the Andrew Wiggins we know we knew and you could tell that immediately because the second he started doing that the Timberwolves were losing games uh they were actually winning games at the beginning of the season looked like a competitive team looked like a team that was going to be fighting for the A seed and obviously they got the number one pick this year so they clearly fell off a ton uh and it was a lot due to Andrew Wiggins. Obviously, Carl Anthony Towns was dealing with some injuries this year. And overall, that team just wasn't insanely talented. But, yeah, Andrew Wiggins has simply got to be better. He's got to stop settling for these mid-range jump shots when he's not too good at them. Uh, and he's got to use that God-given athleticism that he has, which is so impressive. And it's something that very, very few players uh, will ever be privileged enough to have, but he just simply doesn't use it enough. He doesn't attack the basket nearly enough. He's got to become a better free throw shooter. His playmaking is decent, uh, but it's not really anything special. Uh, and overall, he's just got to become a better basketball player. His three-point shot is something that needs to improve. I'm basically completely given up on him ever being a good defender, even though he has all the tools in the world. He has great length, great size, uh pretty decent strength for that too and he just never puts the effort in on the defensive end Uh, I hope with the Golden State Warriors with a very good coaching staff with players like Draymond Green that will make sure that they are holding him accountable uh, that he plays better but I've kind of lost hope for Andrew Wiggins at this point if he's just Harrison Barnes which is a lot of people's comparison for him uh, I'd guess that'd be happy but for the contract that he's on for the Uh, natural talent that he is that's super disappointing and Andrew Wiggins has got to be better Uh, next honorable mention we got a guy coming off a great season we got Duncan Robinson of the Miami Heat Uh, obviously we know one of the best three-point shooters in the entire league 
uh, one of the hardest guys to guard in the league, which uh, may sound a bit weird to most guys, uh, but I've heard this in multiple interviews and just multiple players talking where they always talk about how guys like Duncan Robinson and J.J. Redick are some of the hardest guys to guard in the league because they are just always moving off ball. They are always uh, sprinting at 100 miles per hour, and if you keep your eye off them for one second, they are going to kill you, especially uh, a guy like Duncan Robinson who has the size of him being six seven, where he can really shoot over people a lot of times, and he's shown the willingness to hit these contested shots, and he's just so ridiculous as a three-point shooter. His gravity is something uh, that really helps the guys around him a lot too as even though himself he's not a very good passer not a great playmaker uh, but the gravity that he brings definitely opens up things for the other teammates as you can never help off of him for a second and if you do it's over because he's hitting the three he's so so efficient nearly a 45 percent shooter shooting over eight a game that's so impressive uh he's also gotten better at being one of those guys who can uh, bait guys into fouling him He's definitely learned that trick that all shooters do. It's a bit of a learning curve because you're kind of used to uh, just shooting the ball. But we saw him later in the season definitely uh, know how to do the pump fake jump into them, which a lot of people, especially a lot of older fans, may be frustrated by. Uh, and it's sometimes frustrating uh, to watch as a fan. But at the end of the day, it is an effective strategy. And uh, it does help him be an even more efficient offensive player, especially when he's so good at uh, shooting at the line as as a 93 point uh, percent shooter uh, and at the end of the day Duncan Robinson is a guy who's not, never going to be uh, nothing that he isn't he's a guy who just knows his role and he plays it to perfection he's a guy who at least tries on the defensive end he's not very good but he tries at least uh, he's never going to be a guy who's handling the ball uh, he's never going to be a guy who's attacking the basket. I mean, he took 1.1 two-point attempts per game. Like, he knows his role completely. Even, uh, like, uh, Eric Spolster will joke about that they get mad at him when he doesn't shoot, like, eight three-pointers a game. Or they get mad at him when he takes a dribble inside inside the three-point line. And that's so funny to me. But it also shows that he knows his role completely. He's fine with playing it, and he plays it to perfection. So, uh, definitely had to give some love to Duncan Robson as he's just a super valuable player that any team would love to have. Next, we got OG Ananobi of the Toronto Raptors. Uh, coming off a pretty good season, it definitely improved as a three-point shooter, which is the thing that his game could use the most help in. Uh, as he became a 39% three-point shooter on 3.3 attempts, uh, you really didn't uh, take many difficult shots. It's not like he was taking off the dribble shots. It's not like he was Duncan Robinson running off screens. A lot of those were just catch and shoots in the corner, which is the easiest shot in basketball. Uh, but those are an efficient shot, especially for a role player like OG Ananobi. He's uh, not really special on the offensive end. He basically just runs in transition, uh, cuts well. Uh, he's just a pretty smart player, and he's another guy like Duncan Robinson who just knows his role and plays it to perfection. He's a great 3-and-D guy, uh, and he really hones in on the defensive side of the ball and focuses on that end, and that's what is most impressive about him. Uh, he played some very, very good defensive possessions on guys like Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum in the playoffs, and as a Celtics fan who was intensely watching that series, that definitely stood out to me was just some of the defense he was playing. He, 
even if he was getting scored on, like some possessions, guys like Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown, they're so good that they're going to score on you. But if you can play good defense and if you can make it difficult for them, that's all that matters. And he did that a lot of times. Uh, he has a crazy wingspan, good size, and it's really about the effort. He is always locked in on that side of the ball. He's under a very good uh, coaching staff with very good defensive principles, and that definitely helps him a lot. And he's just a valuable player that any team would want. We've seen the evolution of 3 and D guys and just how important those guys are in a league that we, uh, that we have today in 2020. Every team would want OG Ananobi. So as long as he can uh, continue to improve his three-point shot, if he can maybe become a bit more versatile and be a guy who can run off screens, that could be, uh, even be make him become even more valuable. And he's already a very valuable player that any team would want. Uh, next honorable mention, we got Kelly Oubre of the Phoenix Suns coming off a very good season for himself. Uh, n- nearly a 19-point-per-game score, about 6.5 rebounds, uh, an assist and a half, 45% from the field, 35% from three, and about 78% from the line. Uh, he's just a guy who, even though he's not much of a creator at all, uh, really doesn't handle the ball that much. He's a guy who is always in the right place at the right time, very good at cutting to the basket, uh, is a very good catch-and-shoot player and has improved his three-point shooting a ton. Shoots about five a game, 35%. Is nothing special, but on five and a half attempts, that's pretty decent. Uh, and it's something that I expect him to continue to work on. He's honestly one of the better slashers in the league as well, as he's a very athletic player who could surprise you sometimes and really just dunk on someone. We saw that uh, he dunked on Paul George this season, if I remember. And just overall, coming off an excellent season for the Phoenix Suns. Uh, his defense is something that's pretty good, too. Uh, I'll be interested to see what happens with him with the Suns because they played such good basketball without him as he was dealing with, I'm pretty sure, a torn meniscus uh, when the bubble happened. Uh, but he shouldn't come back healthy. And whether he's playing for the Phoenix Suns or he's playing for a different team, whatever team he plays for, he's going to be an impactful player uh, and just brings a lot of value as a player who knows his role uh, and plays it very well, is always in the right place at the right time, runs the floor very well in transition, cuts to the basket well, uh, will hit his catch-and-shoot threes, and is going to put in effort on the defensive side of the ball. That's really all you could ask for, especially out of a guy who only makes about $15 million a season. Kelly Oubre is just a perfect player who anybody would want. Uh, last honorable mention, we got Will Barton. Uh, of the Denver Nuggets, did miss out on the playoffs as he was uh, dealing with an injury. I'm pretty sure it was a hip injury, uh, but he was in the regular season a super valuable player for them and is someone who I feel like was not talked about nearly enough uh, for the Nuggets and is uh, something that's definitely going to help them next year. Uh, It's very underrated that they were missing out on such a good player like Will Barton and still made the playoff run that uh, they did. He averaged 15 points, 6.3 rebounds, seven, uh, 3.7 assists, 45% from the field, 37.5% from three. A uh, decent free throw shooter as well at around 77%. And overall, is just a super impactful player that any team would want. Uh, a guy who shoots five threes a game and shoots nearly 38%. 
that's definitely useful. Had a down season last year, but definitely had a good bounce back season this year. We saw a lot of the times when a guy like uh, Nikola Jokic or a guy like Jamal Murray would be out. He was a lot of the times a secondary uh, playmaker and ball handler for them as his playmaking isn't uh, very special. It's just decent. But what really stands out is his ability to hand the ball at the small forward position. He's also a guy who, even though he's very skinny, one of the skinnier players in the league, uh, he can attack the basket very well. He doesn't really get to the free throw line that often because he's more of a finesse player. He's a guy who's going to use those Euro steps, who's going to use those spin moves. Uh, He's going to take those jelly layups to get around people. And he's pretty efficient at the basket. Uh, I don't really know, like... Uh, what his percentage is at the basket, but I feel like every time I'm watching him, he's always been a good finisher at the basket for his entire career. Uh, And the three-point shot is something that's uh, been pretty consistent for him these past couple of years. He's been around a 37% shooter on a pretty good volume, and that's just impressive. He uh, rebounds his ball well with him uh, having very good length. Uh, He's also a guy who plays uh, hard on the defensive end. He's like I said, he's got good length. He's got good effort on that side of the ball. Uh, and he's just a smart, high IQ guy who could be useful for any team and is very useful for the Denver Nuggets team and really proved his uh, value for them in this regular season. Number 10, small forward in the league. We got TJ Warren coming off an incredible bubble where he was uh, playing some ridiculous basketball, was playing by far the best basketball of his career. But I think people definitely underrated him before that. Obviously, we all gave him his attention because it's kind of hard not to when a guy's averaging like 35 points per game. But he's just a very, very sound uh, offensive player. He uh, is a bit of a one-dimensional player as he is kind of only a scorer. Uh, but he is very good as a scorer. And he, he knows his role and he just plays it very well. Uh, knows that he's really good at scoring the ball, averaged uh, almost 20 points per game, about 4.2 rebounds, about assist and a half. Uh, super efficient offensive player. Uh, Could have been nearly a 50-40-90 guy if he was a bit better at free throw shooting, but 53.6% from the field, 40.3% from three, and 81.9% from the line. That's some really impressive stuff out of TJ Warren there. Uh, he's elite in the mid-range area. That's something that he goes to often. Uh, he's a pretty good ball handler as well, which allows him to be a pretty good creator for himself. I mean, we see he shoots 57.5% from uh, two-point range. He doesn't even attack the basket that often, which is shown by him only getting about three uh, free throw attempts per game. But it's really the mid-range area that he lives in. Uh, he's become a much better free throw. Uh, three-point shooter as that was something that was a bit of a liability early in his career and we can see in like 2018 he shot 22.2 percent but this most recent season shot over 40 percent shot 43 percent the previous season and like i said it's just overall a very good offensive player who even though uh kind of all he does is score he's not much of a playmaker at all uh definitely not very good on the defensive end not much of a rebounder but his value he brings as a scorer is something that any team could use. It still blows my mind that the Phoenix Suns traded him and a second-round pick for cash. That's ridiculous. But uh, the Indiana Pacers got a valuable player in T.J. Warren, and he just fits that uh, style of basketball they play in Indiana where it's kind of everybody uh, gets uh, their fair share of things, and they just have a lot of good basketball players over there. They don't really have that superstar player but they have five very, very talented players, and I just love what T.J. Warren brings to the game. Uh, Next, 
we got a player who this may sound a little low for him at number nine. We got DeMar DeRozan. Now, obviously, DeMar DeRozan is very good at the things he's good at. He's elite at attacking the basket, one of the most athletic players in the league. We see that shown sometimes where he's uh, just slamming down on guys. We've seen some ferocious dunks from him. Uh, and he's obviously elite in the mid-range area. We all know about that. That's the thing that he's thrived in his entire career is him being one of the best mid-range shooters. He's good at cutting to the basket off the ball. And his playmaking is something that's came a long way and has improved a lot. Uh, he is a very good playmaker, especially out of the pick and roll. Nothing uh, that's like elite and super uh, special, but it's definitely something that's good and would be valuable to any team. But the bad things about his game, it really does stand out. With him being an atrocious three-point shooter, he shot .5 per game this previous season, which is the second lowest amount in his career. He just lost all the confidence that he had in his three-point shot, and he shot only about 26% on them, so I guess, I mean, it makes sense, but it's just sad to see how bad of a three-point shooter he is and how kind of unwilling he is at this point to uh, change his game to fit into the modern style of basketball because he has just overall a very weird fit in the league as a whole where he's a guy who, even though he's very talented, he's good at scoring the ball, uh, I just don't know if I'd personally want him on my team if I'm trying to win a championship because he's a guy who I think needs to be a number one option for him to be most effective, but he's not good enough to be a number one option, and that's the issue with DeMar DeRozan is that as a second or third option, he doesn't really fit, and as a first option, uh, that fits his play style, but he's simply not a good enough basketball player. He's This is not the 27-point-per-game DeMar DeRozan anymore. This is a guy who is a good scorer, uh, but he's, again, he's not that 27-point-per-game guy anymore. He's uh, just a very solid player who I think can lead you to an eighth seed, uh, but really nothing more than that. And then if he's a second option, he has a really weird fit as a second option, and it just doesn't make much sense for him to be uh, that guy. He's never brought anything on the defensive side of the ball as he he really just never put into effort or uh, never had the IQ, I guess, to be a good defender. Uh, I mean, as a rebounder, he's decent, I guess. He's a good free throw shooter. Uh, like I said, what he's good at, he's really good at. But also, what he's good at doesn't fit this uh, current basketball in 2020, and that's the issue with DeMar DeRozan. That's why I have him this low. I have guys uh, that are probably not as good of basketball players ahead of him but just our better fits in this modern style of basketball. And that's why I have DeMar DeRozan so low. Uh, next, at number nine, we got uh, – number eight, actually. We got Gordon Hayward. Uh, coming off a very good season for the Boston Celtics, obviously dealt with some injuries, which is just something that I guess we're going to have to deal with with Gordon Hayward, which is very unfortunate because Gordon Hayward – has dealt with some of the most unlucky injuries ever. Now, if this was just like a chronic knee injury where it was like Derrick Rose and he just kept getting this, uh, different injuries in like his knees, then that'd be understandable. But he has some of the weirdest injuries that just don't connect at all. So first, he has the broken ankle, which is just an absolute freak injury where on a lob, he just completely lands wrong on his ankle. Ankle broken, season over. The next season, he uh, doesn't get injured at all that season, but he's just not that good, simply enough, as he's definitely recovering from that injury. 
And he shows flashes, but he's not the same guy. This season, he's playing some of the best basketball of his career. He's a damn near 20-point-per-game score on ridiculous efficiency. He's playing excellent. And then he runs into a LaMarcus Aldridge screen and breaks his hand. Like, who deals with luck like that? And then, in the Philadelphia 76ers series, he goes up for a rebound. He sprains his ankle, and it's the other ankle. It's not even the ankle that he broke. So that's the weird thing about Gordon Hayward. It's like these injuries have to stop at some point, right? Because they're not injuries that correlate to each other at all. But when he's on the court, he is a great player. And we saw that even when he was not fully healthy in the Heat series, he was definitely impactful. And he's just a really efficient offensive player who is super valuable to any team he's going to be on. Uh, I'm interested to see if the Boston Celtics do end up moving him. There's been a lot of rumors uh, that the Indiana Pacers would want him. Uh, the idea of getting Miles Turner has been thrown around a lot, and I think it makes sense for the Celtics team. Uh, if they could also get Victor Oladipo, then that'd be something I'd be very intrigued about. Uh, but yeah, Gordon Hayward is just a super efficient offensive player. Shot 50% from the field, 38% from three, and 85.5% from the line. Uh, I think that's something that's a little bit underrated about him is just how refined his offensive game is and how good of a season he had this year. As he was the fourth option on offense on a very, very offensively talented Celtics team with Kemba Walker, Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum, and he was still playing some great basketball. And at some point, he was that third guy. At some point, he was even the second guy, especially at the beginning of the year. People forget he had this month where he was averaging like around like 20 points per game on ridiculous efficiency. He was playing some excellent basketball. And I've just been really impressed by what Gordon Hayward uh, brought to the game uh, this year. And his playoff run was a bit disappointing, but I can't hold that against him as he was clearly dealing with some injuries. And it clearly was not his fault at all that he was playing uh, some poor basketball. He's also a guy who can play make very, very well, is one of the better playmakers at the small forward position. Uh, and a lot of the times is the Celtics' main playmaker, along with Marcus Smart, because the Celtics don't really have that number one uh, playmaking guy. But yeah, he is uh, just a super sound offensive player who I like a ton. And even if he does end up leaving, I'm happy that uh, I got to see him play some very good years of basketball on my team. I'm sad that he's had to deal with all these injuries. Uh, but I think whoever he ends up playing for, he's going to be really good. Uh, his three-point shot something that's super impressive. 40, uh, damn near 40% shooter on 4.3 attempts per game. Uh, I just love Gordon Hayward, love what he brought to my team, and I'm sad that he's had to deal with all these injuries, and I just really hope that he can finally stop getting so damn unlucky because he does not deserve this at all. Uh, but next, we got Bojan Bogdanovic. He was a guy who uh, I was arguing a lot back and forth in my head about uh, where would I put him or Gordon Hayward above each other, and I gave him the very, very slight nod and it a lot has to do with the playoff run that he most recently had. Uh, well, the playoff run that he most recently missed, uh, where you could definitely see the big impact 
that he had on that Utah Jazz team. They were missing him a ton. They missed that second offensive guy next to Donovan Mitchell a ton, and it was a big, big issue for them. He was a player who played some excellent basketball for them in the regular season. Uh, sometimes he even looked like their best scorer. Like he was very, very good. He had some huge game-winning shots. Uh, he hit that shot against uh, the Rockets, that super deep three. He hit that shot against the Bucks. I remember it was a corner three for the win. Just overall, he was a great, efficient offensive player for them. He shot uh, 41% from three on 7.3 attempts. That's a truly elite shooting right there. Was an over 90% uh, free throw shooter. Shot about uh, 45% uh, from the field. Uh, just brings so much on the offensive side of the ball. Doesn't really do much other than score, even though he is a pretty decent defender who, though not being the most athletic guy at all, though not having this crazy wingspan, he definitely puts an effort on that side of the ball. And we saw that with uh, times where he was defending a guy like LeBron James in the playoffs, and he was doing as good of a job as you can. So I just really like Bojan Bogdanovic. I think he's an excellent player who is uh, just a very refined offensive guy and is super valuable to any team uh, that he's going to be put on. And I think he's perfect for this Utah Jazz team. I love that they signed him to a nice long contract to be the secondary offensive guy next to Donovan Mitchell. And I just hope he's healthy. That wrist injury definitely hurt the Jazz a ton. Uh, if he's there, they don't blow that 3-1 lead. And I'm 100% confident in that because you just really saw the lack of a second offensive guy where Donovan Mitchell had to try and do absolutely everything everything for them because he was missing a really really good offensive guy in Bojan Bogdanovic so that's why I have Bojan Bogdanovic as my number seven small forward in the league next we got Brandon Ingram coming off a most improved player season even though in my opinion I would have put Bam Adebayo as my most improved player I can definitely understand the rationale for Brandon Ingram as he ha had a great, great season, went up about five and a half points, and we really saw the potential that we all knew that was inside Brandon Ingram, but he was put in some bad situations and was put in some awkward roles early in his career. Uh, the first season, he was basically asked to be more of a facilitator, play a bit more of a point guard role, which uh, really wasn't him, and he was put with Luke Walton, who I think we should all know is a very bad coach. Uh, and then he was asked to be more of a scorer, and he was pretty decent at that. About a 16-point-per-game score, 39% from the uh, three, 47% from the field. He was just very solid. And then he was put in this weird second-option role next to LeBron. Uh, and we saw the potential when LeBron was out. He was averaging like 25 points per game for like a seven-game stretch. Uh, and then we just saw him fully unleashed this year. Uh, with the New Orleans Pelicans. What was most impressive was the step he took as a three-point shooter. 6.2 attempts per game and shot 39%. Because even uh, in 2018 where he shot 39%, that was only on 1.8 attempts a game. So with him shooting the volume he did and him shooting an elite percentage at 39%, that's really impressive. We all know his ability in the mid-range game as he is so, so good in the mid-range. That's something he's just a killer in. Uh, also pretty good at attacking the basket just with that crazy uh, length that he has uh, got to the line 5.9 uh, times per game and shot 85 percent overall he just improved his offensive game a ton he improved his shooting a ton became much more efficient uh, he was a pretty good playmaker this year too with him averaging 4.2 assists per game 
the one thing that I need to see uh, him work on and is the thing that's holding him back a little bit is even though he has incredible length, he has good size, uh, well, very good size at him being around 6'8 or 6'9. He looks a little bit longer. Uh, he looks a little bit taller just because of how lanky he is. Oh, he's only listed at 6'7. That's really surprising. He just looks so tall because he's so frail. But he has such good size and length, but he is not a good defender. And that's something that uh, definitely is just holding him back for being higher for me, especially at the small forward position with there being so many good defenders. Uh, almost everybody below him, uh, well, almost everybody above him, I mean, is a very good defender. Uh, and that's the thing that's going to take his game to the next level because, I mean, on the offensive side of the ball, you what can you ask more from Brandon Ingram? He had an excellent season last year, and uh, I'm really excited to see where his career goes. This Pelicans team overall is super exciting. I think they're going to be uh, pretty good next year, and I think Brandon Ingram is going to be a massive reason. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised if we see a numbers drop-off because Zion Williamson is hopefully – Hopefully going to be back for a full season. I'm going to be crushed if he uh, gets injured again. But as long as he's back, Brandon Ingram probably won't be uh, the exact number one guy anymore. He'll probably play a bit of a 1A, 1B role with Zion Williamson. Uh, but as long as we can continue to see his efficiency be good, continue to see him be a good free throw shooter, and hopefully see... Uh, an improvement on the defensive side of the ball with him still being a good scorer, a good playmaker, uh, then I wouldn't move him down at all. Even if we see him drop to like 22 points per game, but if he's still really efficient, uh, better on the defensive end, that's still an incredibly valuable player. And Brandon Ingram's coming off a great season. Next, we got uh, a player coming off one of the most efficient offensive uh, seasons in the entire league with Chris Middleton. He averaged about 21 points, 6.2 rebounds, 4.3 assists on so, so close to 50-40-90. He just barely missed out on that. And he'd become one of the only players in NBA history to average over 20 points on 50-40-90. He uh, got 49.7%, 41.5% from three, and 91.6% from the line. Just an incredible season for Chris Middleton. Uh, was so so efficient and was huge for that Bucks team. Obviously, they disappointed, and he had uh, some moments in the playoffs where you definitely wanted a bit more out of him. But I mean, overall, he still had a pretty good uh, playoff run where he averaged about the same numbers. Uh, definitely was on worse efficiency, especially uh, in that game where he had to step up where Giannis was out for the entire game. Uh, had I'm pretty sure he had a pretty bad game in that one. But we also saw him in the game where Giannis went out in the first quarter carry this Bucks team to a win against uh, an, an incredible Heat team. And they were disappointing. He was a part of that. He did play a role in that. But he still had a really good season. Still got to give uh, that credit to him. I mean, again, tw almost 21 points. Uh, just ridiculous efficiency. He also has definitely improved a bit as a playmaker. Uh, his ball handling is something that is never going to be great, but it's uh, getting better every season. And we saw him be able to create a shot a little bit more this season. And overall, just a super sound offensive player who's very efficient. And then he uh, definitely puts in the effort on the defensive side of the ball, mixed with good length. Uh, and good size that leads to him being uh, very good on that end. And he's just overall a very high IQ, smart player who any team would want. Uh, he's on a big contract that I don't know if if it's exactly worth it. Um, but he's still a valuable player for this Bucks team. And uh, 
they definitely need him. Uh, they need him to play some good basketball, and he did that last year. Uh, I'll be interested to see if his efficiency takes a bit of a dip because it's hard to stay at that efficiency. But if he does, that's going to be really impressive for him. And I just love what I saw from Chris Middleton this previous season. Next, we got a player coming off an excellent season where he proved a lot of people wrong. We got Jimmy Butler of the Miami Heat. Uh, in the regular season, he was decent, but nothing really that special. Averaged about 20 points, 6.7 rebounds, 6 assists, 45.5% from the field. Three-point shot fell off a cliff. as That was really weird to see. He went like months without hitting a three, which was so weird to see because he was never a great three-point shooter, but he was decent in previous years and shot uh, a good amount of attempts of them. I mean, he shot uh, 4.5 per game in 2019 when he was on the Timberwolves and shot about 38%. Overall, he only shot three and shot about 35% that year. But like he had, the, he has the capability to hit threes, but he just really didn't. Uh, but on the offensive side of the ball, was an excellent playmaker for this Miami Heat team. Uh, he didn't really average a crazy amount of assists, as they have a lot of guys who can handle the ball, a lot of guys who can playmake. They got Tyler Hero, Goran Dragic, Bam Adebayo, uh, but it, so it makes sense that he was a bit uh, lower at, uh, in the assist range. But he's a guy who is one of the better playmakers in the entire league, especially at the small forward position. And then uh, what really stood out and what was his best ability all year was to get to the free throw line. Uh, averaging 9.1 attempts per game, uh, which was really impressive from him. He's always been good at getting to the line. He's gotten to the line uh, 8.9 uh, times per game in previous seasons, but this was the most of his career. He also shot a very good uh, efficient number on them, shooting 83.4%. Uh, and that was a huge part of his offensive game. That was something he had to rely on a lot of the times when the shot wasn't hitting. And overall, what he brings to this Miami Heat team uh, as a leader, as a guy who brings great culture to them, and as a guy who really pushes his teammates to be the best that they can, I think that's super valuable. And uh, I don't think he's this locker room cancer at all that a lot of people think. I think a lot of the things uh, about him have been overblown completely and have been taken completely out of context. And I think any team knows the value in Jimmy Butler. And we really saw his complete value in the playoffs where he played some incredible basketball, had some huge moment against the Celtics of him closing out games. And we obviously saw those ridiculous games he had against the Lakers where he really left it all out there. He uh, played his heart out in those games and uh, played some of the best basketball I've ever seen out of any player. And I got to give all my props in the world to Jimmy Butler for an incredible season where he proved a lot of people wrong. This Miami Heat team was much better than I expected and much better than most people expected. So, yeah, shout out to Jimmy Butler. Incredible season for that man. Next, at number three, we got one that's a bit weird. We got Kevin Durant. Obviously, Kevin Durant is, uh, in my opinion, probably the best score we've ever seen. I think uh, Michael Jordan is like the... How do I say this? He's like the most dominant scorer ever with with him being more aggressive on the offensive end and him being a guy who we've seen average 37 points per game one season. But Kevin Durant, as far as the most unguardable player and the most like well-rounded scorer of all time, it's got to be him for me. I mean, he's a 6'10 dude 
who has a crazy wingspan, can handle the ball, can shoot threes at a ridiculous rate with him being one of the best three-point shooters in the league. He can attack the basket. He's a decent playmaker. He's uh, one of the best mid-range shooters of all time. He can just do absolutely everything. He can hit pull-up threes from super deep. He shoots over people with ease. He shoots over guys like Kawhi Leonard, who is like 6'8", with massive hands and a massive wingspan, like it's nothing. And he's just overall one of the most refined offensive players we've ever seen. He's consistently been a guy who scores over 25 points per game, even on very talented teams uh, like Golden State with guys like Steph Curry Clay, and Klay Thompson uh, around him. He's just ridiculously efficient. I mean, we saw it years in Golden State. Like 2017, he shot 54% from uh, the field. That is ridiculous. And he's just so, so incredible. I mean, there's not much I can say about Kevin Durant because we all know how good he is. But the reason I have him at number three is because I'm I'm worried about his injury. I'll be completely honest. A torn Achilles is absolutely nothing to play with, especially with the age he's at. And even though everybody's going to say he doesn't rely on athleticism, which I get that argument, but guys who don't rely on athleticism have been hurt by Achilles injuries a lot. Because even though he's not a guy who's going to be just dunking on people like crazy, and he's a guy who relies on his skill more, at the end of the day, he does use his athleticism to his advantage, and he is an athletic player. But he's still going to have that shot. I'm not worried about that at all. He's still going to be a decent playmaker. Uh, he's still going to be a guy who I think is going to be decent on the defensive end, even though I think that's going to be the thing that probably drops off most is his defensive ability, as he was really impressive and was having some years where people could make an argument that he was a defensive player of the year candidate. I, I simply just don't think uh, that he's going to be like that anymore. Um, but still is going to be an elite offensive player. Uh, who is going to score the ball at a ridiculous rate. And this Brooklyn Nets team is incredibly interesting. Uh, they're a team that I could see uh, really popping and being one of the best uh, teams in the league. Or I could see them completely failing and uh, just being a massive disappointment. I really don't know. Um, but uh, Kevin Durant is an incredible player, and we really have to appreciate this man's greatness. He is one of the best players uh, of my generation, probably just behind Kevin Durant. I meant LeBron James. Uh, next, we got Kawhi Leonard. And some people are going to be frustrated by this as uh, the way the Clippers went out was obviously extremely disappointing. Nothing taken away from that. They uh, had one of the most disappointing playoff runs I've ever seen uh, with them blowing a 3-1 lead to that Denver Nuggets team. And Kawhi Leonard had an atrocious Game 7 where he completely joked, uh, choked, played horrible basketball, and had one of the worst games of his entire career. But I still think Kawhi Leonard is the second-best player in the league, and I still think he's the second-best small forward in the league. Uh, I had him at number one previous to this, but LeBron completely uh, retook his throne. Uh, I give all the credit in the world to him for having a ridiculous playoff run. But Kawhi Leonard had an incredible regular season, uh, where he averaged 27 points, 7 rebounds. His uh, playmaking is something that took a big step as he was a guy who averaged 5 assists, was an extremely efficient offensive player, 47% from the field, about 38% from 3, and about 88.5% from the line. Uh, obviously, we know what he, what he brings on the defensive end. He's, he's always a guy who's going to get steals, play great perimeter defense. 
Uh, his defense has become, I'd say, slightly and just very slightly a little bit overrated uh, just due to him not putting in the same effort that he did like in his San Antonio days where he was uh, arguably the best perimeter defender we've ever seen. He was absolutely incredible uh, previously, but now he's just a, still a very good defender. Like I said, playmaking has taken a big step. Great rebounder as well with his size. And he's just an incredible uh, scorer, one of the best scorers uh, that we've seen in a long time. Just so, so efficient uh, as a scorer. And overall, uh, even though, again, Game 7, terrible. No excuses for that. It was absolutely atrocious. He still had a very good playoff run. And I feel like people are honestly starting to underrate Kawhi Leonard which is kind of ridiculous because he's one of the best players in the league. But I feel like he's becoming slightly underrated just due to all of us making fun of the Clippers, which, again, completely warranted. But he still averaged 28 points on 49% from the field. Uh, Three-point shot was definitely something that was disappointing as he shot 33%. uh, But he still got to the line 7.2 times per game, uh, got 9.3 rebounds a game. 5.5 5.5 assists, 2.3 steals, and literally just other than that game seven, which is obviously the biggest moment in the playoffs, uh, he's got to perform better than that. Other than the game seven, he had a damn near perfect playoff run. So I don't think we should start acting like Kawhi Leonard is not a top five player anymore because he had one bad game. Uh, and even though that bad game is definitely something that stands out, and there's a reason I don't have him as my number one player anymore because. LeBron completely retook that throne, and he deserves to be the number one small forward and number one player overall. Uh, But, yeah, Kawhi Leonard is still an excellent player that we uh, can't just act like he's not good anymore, and that's just ridiculous that people are starting to do that. Uh, Number one, obviously, I talked about it already. It's easy. LeBron James coming off a ridiculous season for him. Uh, Averaging the most assists in his entire career. Uh, with him playing more of a point guard role this season, I still have him as a small forward uh, just because that's what I'm used to him playing and that's what uh, is a custom in my mind. Uh, but again, did play more of a point guard role this season uh, and was an incredible facilitator for this Lakers team. Obviously, we know he's one of the most athletic players that we've ever seen. Uh, he's just a freight train going to the basket that absolutely no one could stop. And we got to appreciate what LeBron James has done for the game of basketball. And we got to appreciate that he's still the best player in the league in his late age. Obviously, people talk about it a ton where sometimes it gets to a point where it's a little annoying. Like, we get it. He's in the 17th season. But this is something that's truly special uh, that is great that we get to see uh, and we get to witness LeBron James' greatness. He's... uh, playing excellent basketball still at his late age. He's done the best job that anybody has in history of taking care of his body. He takes full advantage of all the medicine that they have uh, available uh, in the modern world. He always has talked about how he spends a million dollars on his body in the offseason, and that's something that's clearly worked worth it because he keeps himself in top condition every single season and he keeps refining his skill uh he's become a better three-point shooter it's still not something that's like uh great but about a 35 percent uh three-point shooter free throw shooting is something that's never been good and i just never expect to be good he shot only 69 percent this season but like i said he had an incredible season as a playmaker 
uh, had his best uh, statistical season uh, with his passing, uh, was still a great scorer and had an insane playoff run where he played lights out basketball. Uh, was a little bit worried about him like at the beginning of the playoffs, but I mean for the rest of the playoffs he played incredible. Twenty seven point six points, uh, ten point eight rebounds, eight point eight assists. His defense took a big step from last year, where the effort was clearly not there last year. And uh, there were so many jokes about how bad some of his defensive lapses were, but he played a lot better defense this year, and he retook the throne for me completely. Some people are going to say he never lost it, which I can completely understand. Uh, and I always thought it was kind of just even between him and Kawhi, even when I had Kawhi get, uh, having the slight edge in him being number one. But uh, LeBron completely retook that, and I think he's going to continue to be the best player, which is ridiculous because he's going to be 37 years old and still the best player in the league. So, yeah, shout-out to LeBron on an incredible season. Ring number four for him, finals MVP, everything you could have wanted out of LeBron James this season. I'm going to take a break, and I'll be right back to give you two scouting reports and some NFL stuff. Okay, I'm back to bring you some scouting reports. First, we got Grant Riller. He's a 24-year-old, 6'3", 190-pound guard out of Charleston. He averaged 21.9 points, 5.1 rebounds, and 3.9 assists on 49.9% from the field, 36.2% from three, and 82.7% uh, from the line. My strengths are is that he has a very versatile uh, game on offense with an elite ability to score at all three levels of the game. He has a pretty good first step, and then his phenomenal touch at the basket allows him to be an elite finisher. He's also very good at getting to the free throw line, and he's a good free throw shooter. Very crafty player, with him being arguably the best ball handler in the draft. He has just super smooth handles that allow him to get uh, to his spots in the mid-range and uh, to the three with ease. He uses a variety of moves, such as step backs. Uh, he really likes going to the in and out out of the pick and roll, and that just freezes his defender and uh, allows him to score. His handle is so polished and so impressive uh, and is definitely the best part of his game. Uh, and he's just a very good scorer off the dribble as well, which helps. you got to be able to finish when you get open, and he's uh, pretty good in the mid-range, pretty good in the three. Uh, and like I said, very good at getting to the basket. Just overall so, so good at scoring at all three levels of the game, which is really impressive. Uh, he's just overall a very efficient and polished player on the offensive end. He's also a pretty good rebounder for his size, and he has uh, good hands that allows him to get steals. His weaknesses, though, he is an older player. Uh, his size and athleticism are both decent, with him being uh, 6'3", 190, uh, with him having decent speed. Uh, but it just doesn't stand out that much. Uh, he also has limited up in upsize just due to him being an older player. He looks like he's uh, rounded out most of his game and uh, doesn't have much room to grow anymore. Uh, he's also not played against very good uh, competition with him playing at Charleston, uh, who doesn't play many uh, high-level schools. Uh, and then he also has very inconsistent effort on the defensive end. That lack of effort can lead to some really uh, ugly defensive lapses. Uh, where it can be very frustrating uh, to watch him. His pick-and-roll defense is also concerning, as he struggles to get around screens a lot of the time, uh, which can lead to him having to switch, uh, causing mismatches. He also over-dribbles a lot and uh, throws some lazy passes sometimes. Like uh, I remember vividly the game I was watching uh, for him. He literally just 
uh, threw like a super slow pass and it was just easy for the other team to steal and get a fast break on opportunity. And that's shown in his 3.2 uh, turnovers a game. He's definitely got to get that under control and get better with that. His playmaking is also just not very impressive. Uh, so with that 3.9 assists to 3.2 uh, turnover ratio, that's not good at all for a point guard. And uh, he is more of a reactive passer to anything. He doesn't really uh, see things before they happen, uh, which you would like out of your point guard, even though it's not necessarily uh, the biggest need uh, now. And the three-point shot is pretty uh, is pretty decent, but so- sometimes can be inconsistent as he has games where he can just be on fire. And then other games where he can uh, really struggle as a three-point shooter. I have him as a top 25 to 35 prospect. Uh, I'm fitting best with the 76ers because they could definitely use someone who could just come in and really score the ball off the bench. Uh, Someone who can be a big spark plug for them, especially uh, with him being an older player. He should have an immediate impact on the game. Uh, And then the Celtics, bench scoring and shot creation off the bench was a big problem last year. They obviously had a a lot of scoring and creation in the starting lineup, but off the bench they really didn't have anybody who could come in and just score the ball. Uh, And I think he'd be good for that for them. And then my comparison for him is uh, Fred Van Vliet with worse playmaking because he's definitely not near the level of a playmaker that Fred Van Vliet is. Uh, But as a scorer, he has a bit of a similar uh, game to Fred Van Vliet with them both just being very polished offensive players and then both being able to score at all three levels of the game. And then uh, Trey Burke is my other comparison, another guy who is a great ball handler and has a pretty uh, well-rounded offensive game even though Uh, He's been in and out of the league. I think he'll be better than Trey Burke. uh, But they do have just similar games, especially with that ball handling ability. So I do like Grant Riller, even though I think his upside is limited. And I don't expect him to get much better from here. But I think he'll uh, be a nice scorer off the bench for whatever team he comes to. Uh, Next, we have Isaiah Joe. He's a a 21-year-old, 6'5", 180-pound uh, guard out of Arkansas. He averaged 16.9 points, 4.1 rebounds, and 1.7 assists on 36.7% from the field, 34.2% from three, and 89% from the line. My strengths are that he is a very good size and length for his position. I, uh, he has about a six foot ten wingspan, which is really impressive. Uh, he's a, a very good free throw shooter, nearly 90%. That's a very promising sign. He has good shot form. And he also has the ability to hit some deep shots. Uh, in the games I watch of him, he hit some really impressive deep, deep shots uh, near the end of the shot clock that just help it, uh, expand the defense and uh, help his other players out for sure. Uh, and he has the ability to score in bunches when he gets the hot hand. When he's on fire, he uh, can be a damn near unguardable player as he has the ability to score off the dribble and occasionally pull off some really impressive moves. Uh, such as step back or pull up threes. He can also move off the ball uh, and get catch and shoot shots. He's incredibly confident in his shot and is never going to be a player who shies away from the moment. He's always very aggressive. Uh, he's been a high volume shooter throughout both of his years in college with him shooting over eight threes a game in both years, which is obviously very valuable in the modern NBA. He's also a smart defender who does a very good job of defending both on and off the ball. Uh, just never really puts himself in a bad position overall just very smart on that side of the ball uh, he works well in the pick and roll uh, he can uh, pull up and hit uh, good shots in the mid-range not that great of a playmaker but a decent playmaker out of the pick and roll he's a pretty good athlete and he also has good touch at, at the rim even though he uh, isn't a player who attacks the rim that often 
Uh, he's definitely still skinny, though, needs to put on muscle, and that'll uh, improve his defensive ability as well as improving his ability to attack the basket and use that good touch that he does have. Uh, and that lack of muscle does limit his switchability on the defensive end, which is probably the biggest weakness uh, of his game on the defensive side of the ball is just his lack of switchability. His handle needs to become tighter. It gets loose far too often, which can lead to turnovers and just sometimes limits his ability to create a shot for himself. Uh, and he also doesn't have a great first step, which is another reason he doesn't get to the rim that often. Uh, he's a good free throw shooter, but... Again, does not get to the line nearly enough just because he doesn't attack the basket uh, that often. And he can take some very questionable shots at times. Even though you obviously love to see the confidence in himself as a shooter, that can also lead to some ugly shots where he is just trying to do way too much and will hoist up a terrible shot that makes you cringe. Uh, his passing is very baseline, doesn't make advanced reads at all. I don't think he'll ever be a great playmaker. And uh, he's pretty streaky as a shooter. Uh, and with him being a bit of a one-dimensional player on offense, with him uh, being basically only a scorer and mostly a three-point shooter, that streaky shooting can limit his impact at times uh, and can just make him not have much of an impact on the game. I rate him as the top 20 to 30 prospect. I'm fitting best with the Knicks because they desperately need uh, shooting and spacing. They got guys like Mitchell Robinson, who hasn't shown really anything as a shooter, and then R.J. Barrett, who's very... Uh, inconsistent as a shooter as a big part of their young core so they definitely could use a guy who could just come in and shoot the ball uh the 76ers they could use uh, someone to be a high volume shooter and scorer off their bench my comparisons i have a i actually have multiple comparisons that i think would fit well for him dylan brooks uh a guy who can score the ball pretty well but can take some very poor shots tim hardaway jr uh, I think Tim Hardaway Jr. is probably the best one-to-one -one comparison. And we can see Tim Hardaway Jr. can have good years. He had a great season uh, with the Mavericks this previous season, but he can take some very bad shots. But once uh, he's on fire and when uh, he's hitting his good part on his streak, then he's going to be very good. But he can also be cold and be awful. Uh, Terrence Ross, another guy who's just a high-volume shooter who uh, really comes in and his only job is to score the ball. And then Buddy Heald. Uh, I think a, a mix of Tim Hardaway Jr. and Buddy Heald would be the perfect comparison for Isaiah Joe. And I like his game. He's far from a perfect player, but I think he could be impactful for multiple teams, especially uh, with his shooting ability. He just needs to become more consistent. Uh, now we're going to talk some NFL Week 7. We have some excellent games in this one. This was an incredible week of football that we had. Oh my goodness. Uh, first game we're going to talk about is Lions versus Falcons. The Falcons absolutely choked yet another game. I actually have this stat pulled up on my phone that I, I want to uh, tell you guys about because I think it's absolutely hilarious. So let's look at the Falcons win probability in the fourth quarter. 99.9% .9 against the Cowboys, 99.6% against the Bears, and 95.9% .9 against the Lions. And they lost all three games. Uh... They would have won the game, but they accidentally, uh, Todd Gurley accidentally rolled into the end zone and scored a touchdown uh, when he was trying to land like at the one-yard line so they could waste clock and then kick a field goal, uh, which gave Detroit the ball back, and uh, they played some excellent football to close out the game. Matthew Stafford had one hell of a drive uh, and really led this team all the way down the field. Uh, scored the game-winning touchdown. It was an incredible uh, drive by Matthew Stafford, and he really, really impressed on 
uh, that drive. DeAndre Swift had a rushing touchdown. Kenny Galladay went off this game. Six receptions, 114 yards. Uh, Marvin Jones, five receptions, 80 yards. I love that receiver tandem. Uh, TJ Hawkinson had a really good game for them with him getting the winning touchdown as time expired. That was a really exciting moment. Uh, he had 60, almost 60 yards in the touchdown. Uh, the defense, uh, they played some decent football. Uh, didn't play great, but also didn't play bad. And then, I mean, on the Falcons' side, that touchdown that Todd Gurley had uh, killed them. And they have to play some better football, especially on the offensive end. They are way too talented uh, to be this just average on offense. They have Matt Ryan, Todd Gurley, Julio Jones, and Calvin Ridley. And they're just disappointing on offense. Uh, they didn't score in either the uh, first or the third quarter. They did have a good second quarter. And, I mean, uh, Matt Ryan had a good game, 338 yards and a touchdown. Todd Gurley only averaged 2.7 on the ground, and obviously he had that touchdown that killed them. Julio Jones is just an animal that no one can stop. Eight receptions, 97 yards. Calvin Ridley had another good game as he's been incredible this season, 69 yards and a touchdown. And then the defense is... Uh, just very bad for this team. The defense does absolutely nothing. Uh, and this Falcons team has just been super disappointing. They've been really bad this year. They are 1-6. and six. Uh, Honestly, at this point, I would just tank and try and get as high of a draft pick as you can. Uh, maybe you get a, a new quarterback to move on from Matt Ryan. Maybe you get uh, some better help at the offensive line as their offensive line could use some help. Their defense, they need to draft defense. They They need a lot right now, so... I would just try and get as high as a draft pick as you can at this point because their season's over. They're 1-6. It was already over, but this is just even worse now. They blew yet another game against an, a team that should be inferior to them. Just embarrassing for the Falcons. Uh, next, we're going to talk about Browns versus Bengals. This was a thriller of a game. This game was incredible. One of my favorite games all year. Uh, Baker Mayfield, after starting off very bad, he was 0 for 5, had the interception uh, where Odell Beckham Jr. got hurt. And uh, while I was in the break for the show, I just uh, heard that he has a torn ACL, which is so, so sad to see. Absolutely big prayers up to Odell Beckham Jr., one of the best players in our game, an elite receiver who is so, so talented. And it's very sad uh, to see uh, us lose one of our best players. He's going to be out for the rest of the season. And that's definitely going to be a big loss to the Browns. Uh, it's very, very sad to see Odell Beckham Jr. have a torn ACL. Especially because that was a terrible throw from Baker Mayfield where he completely underthrew Odell. And he all Odell was trying to do was uh, make, make the tackle and stop that from being a big play. And then towards ACL, the second it happened, it looked like a very scary injury. And it clearly was. So prayers up to him. Hope for hoping for a good recovery for him, and hope that he can have a great season next year. Uh, but after that terrible start from Baker, we started 0 for 5. He had zero passing yards in the first uh, quarter. Had the interception. He played absolutely lights out football. 22 for 23 for the rest of the game. 297 yards, five touchdowns. Had some just beautiful balls. That ball to Donovan Peoples-Jones for, for the game-winning touchdown was incredible. Uh, an absolute just laser from Baker Mayfield where he threw a perfect ball. Yeah, him and Harrison Bryant connected multiple times. Uh, Harrison Bryant had two touchdowns. Kareem touchdown had a uh, receiving touchdown at the backfield. David Njoku had a touchdown as the tight ends for them were just dominating. But yeah, Baker Mayfield played some lights-out football. Uh 
Kareem Hunt, 18 carries for 76 yards. Solid game for him. Jarvis Landry on a trick play. I had 19 yards. Jarvis Landry is really good at throwing the ball, man. Uh, Miles Garrett continues to dominate uh, another forced fumble, another sack. He's been ridiculous this season. He had two sacks in this one. Uh, he uh, can make a very good argument to be the defensive player of the year. And overall, their defense didn't play great as they got tore apart by Joe Burrow, but they did make some timely plays. Miles Garrett, like I said, is playing uh, the best football of his life. He's playing excellent football right now. And uh, Baker Mayfield showed up when it mattered and uh, battled against uh, Joe Burrow, who had an excellent game as well. Uh, Joe Burrow is one of my favorite players to watch in the entire league. Uh, it's impossible for me not to just love his game so much. He is so, so talented and clearly pays just so much attention to detail. I love Joe Burrow so much. 35 for 47, 406 yards, uh, three touchdowns in the air. Also had six carries for 34 yards and a touchdown on the ground. Did have an interception, but still played an incredible game. Played lights out and was not at all the reason uh, that the Bengals did end up losing the game as it was more just the Browns playing some very good football. Uh, and the Bengals, even though they're 1-5-1, and one, and that's obviously not a good record at all. It's not where they would uh, want to be. Uh, you got to be happy with how Joe Burrow's playing. Uh, A.J. Green is starting to play good as he's had a very slow start to the season. I was getting worried that it, like, it might be over for A.J. Green, but he had uh, seven receptions for 82 yards. Tyler Boyd had an incredible game in this one uh, where he had 101 receiving yards and a touchdown. T. Higgins has been uh, very good for them as a rookie. He had uh, 71 yards and a touchdown. Joe Burrow, though, big issue is he did have three fumbles in this one. Uh, and definitely don't like to see that at all. So got to improve on that. But other than that, this was just an incredible duel where both quarterbacks played a very good game. Uh, and it was a highly explosive offensive game. And I really enjoyed this one. Uh, Browns versus Bengals was really exciting. And even though the Browns uh, did lose to the Steelers and did lose to the Ravens, well, let's not forget they're 5-2. and two. People were acting like after they lost that game against the Steelers that their season was just over. They are still 5-2. and two. Odell being down will be a big loss for them, but I think they could still be a good team, and I think they could still be a team that makes the playoffs. Next, we got another game that went down to the wire. It was an incredible game. We got Panthers versus Saints. The Panthers have been so impressive this season so far. I think their coaching staff has done a phenomenal uh, job with a lack of talent, with them missing Christian McCaffrey. Uh, they've been able to stay in every single game and really fight. Teddy Bridgewater played nearly flawless football in this one 23 for 28 254 yards two touchdowns he was incredible in this one uh, can't say anything but that they really didn't run the ball that much at all uh, they only had what is that 27 rushing yards yeah and a rushing touchdown they really just relied on uh, Teddy Bridgewater and he showed up and again just played excellent for them DJ Moore had 93 uh, yards and two touchdowns he was dominating this one Robbie Anderson continues to go off he's been uh, just such a great pickup for this Panthers team 74 yards in this one Brian Burns uh, is a young player who I like a ton and who played excellent in this one he got a pass deflection got a forced fumble uh, he just played excellent he got a sack uh, can't take anything away from the game that he did end up having he 
uh, is one of the better uh, young pass rushers in the league, and I really like Brian Burns. Uh, they did miss the field goal just so, so barely. It was uh, just barely off, and I really wanted to see this game go into overtime because it was so exciting, uh, but they barely missed that field goal, and uh, they ended up losing this game. It was just slightly short, and it ruined uh, perf- a nearly perfect game from Teddy Bridgewater where he played some excellent football, and the defense played well. Uh, just overall, this Panthers team was really impressive, and uh, no matter what their record is at the end of the year, you have to be happy with the growth you've seen from some of these guys and just with the game they're playing, uh, the games that they're playing, they're playing so, so well. Uh, Drew Brees had an excellent game as well. This was uh, truly a battle of two quarterbacks playing some perf- uh, near-perfect football. Uh, the running game was definitely better for the Saints, but Drew Brees, 29 for 36, 287 yards, two touchdowns, also had a touchdown on the ground. Alvin Kamara played a good game, had 14 carries for 83 yards. Latavius Murray had 11 carries for 47 yards. Just overall, even though the Saints' defense wasn't great and they were getting kind of carved by uh, Teddy Bridgewater, their offense played some excellent football. Uh, Even though they were dealing with some injuries, uh, they just went to that short game a lot, and they were very successful. Michael Thomas is dealing with a hamstring injury. uh, And Demarius, uh, not Demarius Thomas, uh, what is his name? Why can't I think of his name right now? Let me just look up the Saints depth chart. Completely, uh, Emmanuel Sanders was out this game as well with injuries. I don't know why I completely blanked his name. But they still played some great football. Uh, Jared Cook had a touchdown. Deontay uh, Harris had a touchdown. Uh, Drew Brees did have that fumble that uh, Brian Burns caused, which they did lose that. And, I mean, the Saints are just a very good team. Uh, they're n- nothing that I'm going to be super worried about going into the playoffs just because Drew Brees really can't extend the field uh, like he used to anymore. Uh, but they're still a good team. And once they get healthy, once they get uh, Michael Thomas back, especially Michael Thomas is such a big part of their game. I know everyone likes to joke about Michael Thomas because he's uh, been a guy who's uh, complained a lot, who's just had a lot of weird uh, childish moments. He is an excellent football player at the end of the day, and they need him. Uh, next game I want to talk about is Cowboys versus football team. The Cowboys are an absolute mess, and the fact that they're uh, still close to being at the top of the division shows how atrocious this division is. Uh, they're on their third-string quarterback now. Andy Dolan played uh, pretty bad in the games he did down, uh, well, in the time that he did end up playing. And uh, he got a very, very dirty hit against him. That was uh, just a terrible, terrible hit. No room for that in this game. Completely deserving for that guy to get ejected. Uh, But, yeah, Andy Dalton, 9 for 19, 75 yards, an interception. He had a fumble at the very beginning of the game where they got a safety. Uh, I mean, football team dominated, which is so, so sad. Because uh, the Cowboys are way more talented than this. I mean, they barely had any passing yards at all. Their backup came in, uh, uh, completed two or three passes for 39 yards. Football team just dominated possession most of this game. They, uh, the Cowboys barely had the ball. Zeke, I mean, 3.8 on the ground. They couldn't really run the ball that much because uh, what are you supposed to do when you're getting down this early 
Uh, their backup quarterback had two fumbles as well. Amari Cooper uh, had a good game, but other than that, no one really played that good for them. Uh, Trayvon Diggs did have some nice moments. He had two pass deflections, uh, but he was talking trash to Terry McLaurin. Next play got absolutely burnt for a touchdown. This Cowboys team just sucks, simply enough. You allowed football team to score 25 points on you, and their offense has been terrible. Football team is now second in this awful division it's so so sad to watch them the cowboys are an absolute mess at this point i'd just tank to try and get as high of a pick as you can because uh, you need help on defense so uh, i mean antonio gibson ran all over this team he had 128 yards on the ground and a touchdown their rushing game has been horrible all year which just shows how bad this Cowboys defense is. Kyle Allen had 194 yards, two touchdowns. He played decent. Terry McLaurin, like I said, absolutely burned Trayvon Diggs on that play after he was talking trash to him. He had uh, seven receptions for 90 yards and a touchdown. He's an absolute beast. Uh, uh, Cole Holcomb had an interception. Uh, they just played way, way better than this team. Chase Young, even though he didn't get any sacks, uh, and he's only got like two and a half sacks on the season. The pressure that he brings to the quarterback is super valuable. Uh, he's a guy that defenses are forced to double team a lot because everyone knows how good Chase Young is. So even if statistically he may not be putting up the craziest numbers, he definitely has that impact on the game. And you need to pay attention to that because Chase Young is an animal. And yeah, the Cowboys are an absolute mess. Uh, they are just an atrocious team right now. There's n really nothing uh, more to say. Next game I want to talk about was an absolute thriller, an incredible game, one of the best games of the entire year, uh, Seattle versus Arizona. This was such a good game uh, with a very, very good battle of two great quarterbacks who had some weird moments. Kyle, Kyler Murray threw an awful interception where I just had no clue what he was looking at, uh, threw a terrible ball, and uh, Russell Wilson had three interceptions. One of them wasn't really that much of his fault. It was more just the defender, Buda Baker, making an incredible play on the ball. Uh, DK Metcalf also had a great effort to uh, stop that from being a touchdown, and they ended up, uh, I think they ended up going for it on fourth down, and they didn't end up getting it. So DK Metcalf really stopped a, a touchdown uh, and stopped them from getting any points. So that was a very, very impressive uh, play from DK Metcalf to show that effort. Yeah, Russell Wilson, uh, very uncharacteristic moments from him during this game. He had that interception uh, to Isaiah Simmons. Isaiah Simmons did make a good play on the ball, but that still wasn't a good throw. And then he had another interception where I just had no clue what he was doing. It looked like a throw uh, that we might see like um, Carson Wentz make, where Carson Wentz just makes a boneheaded decision. That was a throw that Russell Wilson makes, and he usually never makes it. Uh, such a bad decision. That was just awful. Patrick Peterson ended up getting uh, that interception. And it was it was a bit of a weird game for Russell Wilson. Definitely his worst game all season. Definitely underperformed in this one. Uh, still did have almost 390 yards and three touchdowns, which just shows how electric this offense is, that him underperforming is still 390 yards and three touchdowns. He also had 84 yards on the ground. Uh, Chris Carson does have an injury, which is definitely going to hurt them. Uh, hopefully he can come back quickly as he's been excellent for the Seahawks team and is just such a consistent player for them. And the real standout player of the game, even though he was on the losing team, was Tyler Lockett. This man is incredible. Uh, he's so, so underrated. It's really starting to get uh, the appreciation that he does deserve. And it's so ridiculous that Tyler Lockett is this good. I don't even know if he's a top 15 receiver. 
uh, and he's definitely not top 10. That just shows how stacked the receiver position is, that a guy as talented as Tyler Lockett might not be a f- top 15 guy, but Tyler Lockett is incredible. He had 15 receptions, 200 yards, three touchdowns. Russell Wilson had an absolutely beautiful ball to him in the back of the end zone where he made a great uh, toe-drag play. Uh, he burnt the uh, team over top multiple times. He just had an incredible game overall and uh, was a big target for Russell Wilson. Russell Wilson uh, targeted this man 20 times, uh, and, yeah, they just relied on him a ton, especially with DK Metcalf not having a great game. Uh, David Moore had a good game as well, but uh, obviously the standout guy was Tyler Lockett. He was absolutely incredible. And this defense uh, this defense has zero pass rush at all, and that's definitely their biggest weakness. Uh, the secondary isn't perfect. The linebacking core uh, isn't perfect. But they're both decent. The pass rush is a big issue, though. They don't get any pressure on the quarterback. uh, And that's going to be a big problem for them going into the playoffs, too. Kyler Murray was allowed way too much time. uh, And and in my opinion, that's the thing that really killed them. They need to try and make a move for another edge rusher to get after the quarterback. Because Kyler Murray, uh, especially with how good uh, he is at throwing the ball, you just can't give him that much time. He had 360 yards, three touchdowns. Did have that interception that I talked about. And he also had 67 yards on the ground and a touchdown. He threw some absolute beautiful balls. That ball he had to DeAndre Hopkins on the touchdown was one of the best balls uh, I've seen. It was from him. It was just incredible. Uh, Christian Kirk also had uh, two big touchdowns. And they did have that late comeback in the fourth quarter. I thought the game uh, was going to be over, to be honest. I thought Seattle was just going to close it out. Um, But nope, that... The Cardinals came back. They won in overtime, and this was just a thriller where their defense played uh, good. They stepped up and made some big plays. Uh, And then the offense played some very, very good football. Kenyon Drake is uh, injured, which is going to hurt them. Uh, He wasn't great in this one, but he's been very solid for them all year. And I mean, the Cardinals are a good team. They beat a very good team in the Seattle Seahawks, who were 5-0. The Cardinals are now 5-2, and even though they had uh, some scary losses and some at times where they didn't look great, this was definitely an impressive performance for them, and I'm excited uh, for what the Cardinals' uh, future holds. I think they're going to have a good rest of the season, and I expect them to be a playoff team. Next, I have to talk about this one. 49ers versus Patriots. Massive Patriots fan, and man, this was this was a rough one to watch. At a certain point, I turned the game off because I was sick and tired of watching this atrocious offense which is just so embarrassing. Cam Newton, 9 for 15, 98 yards and three interceptions. Jared Stedham came in, threw an interception right away. It was so depressing and sad to watch. Uh, No one, and I mean no one, gets open at all. Uh, There was just zero separation, and then Cam Newton also didn't look good. He looked slow. He was throwing some bad balls. He had a ball to Julian Edelman, where some people were blaming Edelman. It was not his fault at all. The ball was way behind him. Uh, That was an easy interception for the defense. Cam Newton just played a very bad game. And sometimes, uh, I I can't really blame him, though, that much, just because no one gets open for him. He had multiple times where he was just standing in the pocket, waiting, hoping for someone to get separation, and just no one did. It's so embarrassing to watch this offense. Uh, and it's it's time to worry about the Patriots. They look like the third best team in their division, which is so, so sad. After they started off very good, I was very high on the Patriots, even uh, 
when they lost to the Seahawks. It was a good loss in a close game. They lost uh, to the Chiefs in a pretty close game without Cam Newton. And I'm like, okay, this this team is still very good. But nope, we are seeing uh, the impact that not having Tom Brady and uh, the fact that he was able to win with receivers this bad is pretty impressive because we're clearly seeing with Cam Newton that they cannot win with such poor receiver play and it's like their defense is still good but their defense isn't as good as it was last year because they're missing a lot of key pieces they're missing guys like uh, Dante Hightower who's obviously a massive piece and you still got guys like Devin McCourty who got an interception JC Jackson who's very good he got an interception they don't really get much pressure on the quarterback Uh, they play good coverage but when your offense is this bad and you keep giving the other team opportunities then they're going to score 33 points on you even when they're not playing great uh, Jimmy Garoppolo didn't even have this crazy game. He had uh, 20 for 25, which is good, 277 yards, but he didn't have two interceptions. Jeff Wilson ran all over us, 112 yards, three touchdowns, 6.6 average. Uh, Brandon Ayuk tore us apart, 115 yards. Debo Samuel had 65 yards. George Kittle had 55. Kyle check had a touchdown on us. Uh, it was just an embarrassing performance from the Patriots. And I'm incredibly worried about them. I don't think they're going to make the playoffs, which is so, so sad because all my life as a football fan, I've got to uh, have the pleasure of seeing a great team who's dominated. And I knew this season wasn't going to be the same, but after a good first couple weeks, I was I still had a lot of hope, and all my hope is gone now <laughs> for this Patriots team. They look terrible. The receivers have been a huge problem, and Cam Newton is playing very bad football right now. Next, I want to talk about Buccaneers versus Raiders. Uh, the Buccaneers look excellent. They are playing some truly elite football right now, and they don't even have Antonio Brown yet. That is ridiculous that this offense is getting Antonio Brown added to it. Oh, my God. Tom Brady had an incredible game. 369 yards, four touchdowns. That ball he had to Scotty Miller, who's playing great for them too. They're going to have four really good receivers. Oh, my God. This this Buccaneers team is ridiculous, uh, especially Leonard Fournette played a good game. Ronald Jones had his worst game of the season. He still had a touchdown, though. But, yeah, Tom Brady, excellent game from him, almost 370 yards, four touchdowns in the air. Uh, got a QB sneak touchdown as well. Like I said, beautiful threw a beautiful ball to Scotty Miller. Uh, Chris Godwin had a touchdown. He played really well for them. Nine receptions for 88 yards and a touchdown. Uh, Rob Gronkowski is starting uh, to get rolling, and he's playing some great football right now. He made an incredible effort to get uh, a fumble that he had. Uh, he also got a touchdown. He's been great for them in the red zone these past couple games. Uh, and Tom Brady clearly uh, knows that he can rely on Gronk to make those difficult contested catches. Uh, and like when they're uh, in the red zone, he can just throw it up to them. He did that in this game, and uh, Brady made the catch. Even Leonard Fournette was good out of the backfield as a pass catcher. Mike Evans didn't even have a good game. He had two receptions for 37 yards, and this offense still looked ridiculous. This offense played incredible, and then their defense is so, so good. They play, they uh, contained uh, a very good Raiders offense, especially at the end of the game. The end of the game is what really stood out. Uh, and they showed a lot of poise when the Raiders were making it a close game. It was only a touchdown game. Uh, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers completely ended it. They got some turnovers. Um, 
and then they played lights out football on offense to end the game. Their car had a decent game, uh, 284 yards, two touchdowns, did have an interception though. Uh, they also uh, did have a fumble from their car. And yeah, I mean, the Ra- uh, the Raiders did not even play a terrible game. It's just this Buccaneers team looks like one of the best teams in the NFL. They look like a team that on their best day could easily beat the Chiefs. This team is terrifying. And again, they don't have Antonio Brown yet. Oh my goodness. I'm I'm not ready to see this team with Antonio Brown. They're going to have four really good receivers. They're going to have Gronk at tight end. They're going to have two good running backs. An incredible defense with one of the best linebacking cores in the league. It's just it's it's a terrifying sight to see how good this Buccaneers team is going to be. Because again, the Raiders are a good team who played a decent game. They didn't. They played far from perfect, but they didn't play a bad game, and they were still uh, blown out. They lost by 25. Antoine Woodfield Jr. got an interception. He's been playing incredible for the Raiders. Uh, Devin White got a forced fumble. He's been playing ridiculous for the Raiders. Devin White had three sacks in this one, a tackle for loss. He played so so good, and yeah, this team is absolutely terrifying, and they're arguably the best team in the NFL they're playing uh, nearly flawless football right now both on the offensive end and the defensive end and I'm if I was any other contending team I would be very very scared of the Buccaneers if you're the Packers if you're the Chiefs if you're the Seahawks and you got to watch out uh, for the Raiders because they're just going to get even better with Antonio Brown and if he has everything mentally right and he's the talent that we know he can be, then it's over for the league. <laughs> uh, next, I want to talk about another great game with uh, two teams that came into the uh, game undefeated. We got Steelers versus Titans. Very, very close one in this one. Uh, we saw uh, Steven Goskowski, man. Steven Goskowski needs to be cut immediately. He missed an easy field goal uh, to tie the game. It was only like 47 yards, I'm pretty sure. Missed a, He's missed so many field goals for them. They need to cut him. I'm sure they could find a better kicker than Steven Goskowski. So, I don't know what happened to him because he was so incredible with my Patriots, but he's completely fallen off. Uh, but Other than that, uh, Big Ben had a pretty good game in this one. Uh, not really great, though. Did have three interceptions. One of them wasn't really his fault, but did have two interceptions, which were definitely his fault. Uh, still had 268 yards and two touchdowns and played some uh, pretty decent uh, situational football, made some impressive plays. Uh, James Conner uh, ran the ball pretty well, had 82 yards, averaged 4.1 on the ground. Uh, Juju Smith-Schuster had a good game, had 85 yards. Deontay Johnson was excellent for them, had 80 yards and two touchdowns. Eric Ebron was good. Uh uh, Chase Claypool definitely didn't have that same impact that he had in previous games as the Titans definitely made uh, a game plan for him and uh, made it really hard for him to get any separations. He only got one reception for negative two yards. And yeah, he just got completely shut down in this one. They made a very good game plan to stop him. He also had a fumble. Uh, their defense did play some pretty good football. Uh, they, for the most part, stopped Derrick Henry, which is something that seemed like an impossible task to do before. Uh, they got some good pressure on the quarterback. T.J. Watt got three tackles for loss, uh, got a sack. He played incredible in this one. What's a big reason why they were able to contain Derrick Henry. Uh, but Tennessee did come back uh, in the second half after getting kind of shut down in the first half. Uh, the 
Steelers did a great job of controlling the clock as the Titans only were able to run three plays as a whole in the first quarter. Um, Ryan Tannehill had a good game in this one. Uh, 220, two, uh, 220 yards, two touchdowns, 18 for 30. Nothing special, but still a good game. Derrick Henry, uh, like I said, was contained a little bit, but even for him being contained is getting 75 yards and a touchdown and almost averaging four on the ground. That's just how ridiculous Derrick Henry is. Uh, A.J. Brown went off. Uh, for this Titans team. He's been so good for them this year. It was obviously great for them last year as well. Uh, he had six receptions for 153 yards and a touchdown. He's been unstoppable. Had a really good game last week as well. Obviously, they had three interceptions. Uh, Jayon Brown made some incredible plays. He had an interception and was the reason they got another interception. That was inter- the interception that was completely not on Big Ben at all. And it wasn't really on the receiver either. Jayon Brown just made an incredible play. And sometimes the defense is just going to do that. Uh, it was in the end zone. It looked like they were about the Steelers were about to get a touchdown that theoretically would have closed out the game. And then Jayon Brown tipped it out of the receiver's hands, basically punched it out. And then... Uh, I don't know, was it Dane uh, Krolshank or a Manny Hooker who got the interception? I think it was a Manny Hooker who got the interception after that. Just an incredible play by Jayon Brown. He had a massive game for them, and he was a huge reason uh, why they were able to compete in this game. He made so many big plays for them. He was definitely the MVP for them on the defensive side of the ball. But their defense is something uh, that you can worry about because it just hasn't looked that good. Uh, all year they really don't get pressure on the quarterback that well they didn't get a single sack in this one Uh, they gave Big Ben a lot of the time most of the time and then like I said Steven Goskowski has to get cut they got to find someone else to replace Steven Goskowski he's just playing very bad and uh, played bad these past couple years so it's really not that much of a surprise but it's just weird to see because he was so good for my Patriots and now he's just not the same guy uh, last game we're going to talk about is Jaguars versus Chargers. This was a really exciting one. Uh, Justin Herbert had an incredible game in this one. Justin Herbert was a guy I doubted a ton going into the draft. I really just didn't believe in him. But when a guy uh, outperforms your expectations and prove you, proves you wrong, you got to give all the credit in the world to him. And I am giving all the credit in the world to Justin Herbert. He's playing some lights-out football. He's playing absolutely insane right now. Him and Joe Burrow... It's so exciting. We're really uh, seeing the uh, next generation of quarterbacks. There's so many great young quarterbacks in the league right now. Patrick Mahomes, Justin Herbert, uh, Lamar Jackson, Joe Burrow. There's so many young guys, uh, even guys who aren't performing that well. Guys like Drew Locke I like a lot. There's just so many nice young guys, and we're, we really saw in this draft these two guys come in and play just amazing football. I think Tua Tungavailoa is going to come in and play some excellent football as well. So, yeah, Justin Herbert was ridiculous this game. 347 yards in the air, three touchdowns, had 66 yards rushing, had a touchdown. He was just so amazing. Uh, got his first win as an NFL starter, which is really exciting to see. And he's playing uh, some of the best football I've seen out of a rookie quarterback in a long time. Him and Joe Burrow, the way they can, they've been playing as a rookie is so impressive. And something that is really rare and we really have to appreciate. Keenan Allen uh, went off this game. 10 receptions for 125 yards. Uh, He was ridiculous. And it's also nice that uh, Justin Herbert was put in a very good situation. 
I think we're just seeing like how good this Chargers coaching and the just situation he's been put in and how much it's helping him. Obviously, he's playing amazing, but he's also got very good weapons. The biggest issue is that his offensive line does not protect him at all, but he's got good weapons. He's got good coaching, and that's definitely helped him, and he's just playing amazing right now. Uh, He helped close out this game for them. They had a massive third quarter where they scored 20 points, uh, and they beat a Jaguars team who, even though they are 1-6 and now, uh, and are going to be a team that has a high draft pick. They're a team uh, that stays in every game and manages to fight, which is impressive. Uh, Gardner Minshew, he had a fine game, I guess. I mean, he had 173 yards and two touchdowns. They more relied on the running game in this one. James Robinson has been incredible for them. As an undrafted rookie, man, he's been so, so good for them. Uh, he had 119 yards and a touchdown on 22 carries. Uh, big surprise for sure. Lewis took LaVisca Chenault had a good game uh, as he's been uh, very solid for them as a rookie receiver. He had uh, 44 receiving yards, but it was just more uh, the Justin Herbert uh, show, and that's what stood out the most. But I do like uh, some of the players on this Jaguars team. I like a lot of the young talent they have, and I like that they managed to fight in every single game, and uh, it never feels like they're out of it even if they're not winning that much. And then uh, the Chargers have a similar thing, but hopefully they can start – uh, winning some more games now, uh, and I think uh, Justin Herbert has been playing uh, just excellent football right now. But yeah, that has been the episode of the Under Pressure Podcast. I hope you enjoy it. It's been Michael. Peace out.